0: I want to go to Luke chapter 23 this morning. I want to talk to you about a word of assurance. And that word of assurance is simply one word. And that word of assurance is the seventh word from the cross. It begins and it ends with the same word. And that word is Father. And in verse... 20, chapter 23 and verse 44. Chapter 23 and verse 44. And about the sixth hour, there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened. And the veil of the temple was rent in the mist. And then Jesus cried with a loud voice and said, Father, into into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you, Lord God, that we can continue talking about the cross. That we have the ability this morning, Father, to praise your name and to speak your name freely. And Lord, I pray this morning, may your words, Father, pierce our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I listened to some interesting facts this week on uh, the radio. I'm listening to a few people. Do you know that in 2020, a survey was taken amongst Christians? And in that survey... There was a question and the question was do you believe Satan is real? Now having taken this poll only in the churches, Christian churches, do you know that 50% of Christians don't believe Satan is real? I was astonished at the number. I'm like how could you And then I realized the problem isn't the people. The problem is the pulpit. Yes. You see, the word of God is preached from the pulpit. And if, and if we don't assure people and get them to understand that Satan is very real because we fight against the principalities of what? Power. And powers of what? Spiritual wickedness. Spiritual wickedness. Oh. Well, I, know, I don't know about you, but I know this. I serve a God who's not about spiritual wickedness. I serve a God who is love and compassionate, who's died on the cross and has redeemed me. So when we begin to look at this passage of Scripture this morning, and it begins much like the first, I can't help but wonder, why is it we as the body of believers aren't moving forward in a wholehearted way to have a tight relationship with the one who died on the cross for us. well, Why we're not getting motivated to have that kind of a relationship with Jesus. But I, leave, I do believe that there are lessons to be learned from that which we have, we have read this morning. Because, see, we can... We can all have a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. We know that because we've read that in this passage that we've just read. God has created us for fellowship with Him. He's not created us to be entertained by the world. He's not created us to go and do our own thing. He has created us to have fellowship with Him. But you know, what happens is, the enemy has come in, And the enemy has helped to break that fellowship. And we know that the fellowship was broken by the fall of humanity into sin. We know that it all took place in the garden. But Christ came to pay our debt of sin and to restore us to God. We are more than bodies and minds. We are are a body, soul, and spirit. In 1 Thessalonians five twenty three, and the very God of peace sanctified you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So by the body we are world, we are world conscience. Many of us won't leave the house unless we look just right. There are There are women that won't go outside unless the lipstick is just right. And the hair is a certain way. And the nails are just so long. Now, I'm not just picking on women. There are some men that will not leave the house. We won't go out in public unless they're just right. It's sad that we live in a world like this by the soul we are self-conscious many of us are self-conscious about everything around us and by the spirit we are god-conscious well i love god i love jesus people know i go to church so i don't really have to talk about it they know they know who i am they know where i go to church and we become God conscious. We we don't we don't want to step out in boldness and declare the word of the Lord. But see, I can't help but go back in in my mind and go back in the scriptures that I've read. That if that if we're ashamed of Him, He's going to be ashamed of us. People don't like to hear that. Well, no, my God's all loving. He's all okay. He knew. And there, and there are churches out there preaching for the pulpit. Jesus loves you just the way you are. True to an extent. He doesn't like to sin. He loves you, but he doesn't love the sin that you're involved in. And let me just say this. For those who are listening this morning, my wife tries to tell me to stay off of these bandwagons and so do my children, but that's Okay. I can't deny the word of the Lord. People who are going to church and involved in homosexuality. It's wrong. Amen. I can't help but think about the one pastor who said there will be homosexuals in heaven because God loves everyone. I don't think so. There will be no sin in heaven. And that's an abomination before the Lord. That's what the word of God says. People talk about, well, what Bible is the true Bible? Well, I go to the King James Bible because that's the truest that I know. But the fall, but at the fall, we became spiritually dead. You see, people don't like to think about the fall of man because they don't want to think about the sin that has been dredged up in their life. People don't like to be, told that they were born into sin. See, that's how everything's gotten all twisted up. They've taken the cross and they basically have twisted it up. And they've twisted it to try to conform to their way of living. Try to take the word and to twist it into what they think it should mean. See, I don't take the word and say, well, I think it means this. Or it could mean that. I believe that the word of God says exactly what it means. And it says exactly what God wants us to hear. And he expects us, as the body of believers, to live by the word. Now, we know that we have become spiritually dead in the garden, because in Genesis 2.17, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day thou, that thou eatest, therefore thou shalt surely die. Now we're not talking the physical death, but we're talking a spiritual death. And so we know by that, that all of us have an opportunity to fall. We all have an opportunity to be tripped up. But we must be what wise as serpents and harmless as... Doves. Doves. Now, why is that? Why does the word give us that? Because we are to be wise to the word of God. And we are to be wise to those who try to trick us into the things of the world called sin. Now, I'm not saying everything you do in the world is sin. I'm just saying that people can get you to trip up. People can get you to fall into sin. Get you to fall away from God. They'll kind of just give you a little as I said to my little dog, treats. The world tries to give you little treats to entice you. How do I get my little dog to do what I want it to do? I give her little treats. I found these little treats yesterday when I I took her to get her nails cut. And they had these little treats on the store shelf called meatballs. And I said, I think my dog would like meatballs. We've been giving her chicken and all those other treats for so long. i bet she liked it. She's an Italian dog. She would like meatballs. So I said, I'm gonna do a test. I'm gonna see which one she likes the best. So I bought the little round, little hamburger thingy ones. And I bought the meatball ones and I bought the little chicken wedges. And I'm gonna put them before her and see which one she likes the most. And sure enough, just as I knew she was an Italian dog, she went right to the meatball. (laughs) If she'd had spaghetti with it, she could have spaghetti and meatballs. Cause she likes spaghetti. Our dog is a carb dog. She loves bread and spaghetti. Takes after me. I like bread and spaghetti. And meatballs with the spaghetti. So, so I treat her. I, I try to entice her with little treats to get her to do what I want. The world is so much like that. The world will entice you with things that look good. It will, it will entice you to, to do things that seems to be Satisfying. But we have to be careful about those things. We can't be enticed. We can't be treated by the things that look good around us. We have to be enticed by the word of God. We have to allow our minds to be devoted to God's word. Jesus died to restore fellowship with the Father and to give us a new life through a spiritual rebirth, if you will, in Ephesians 2.1. And you hath he he quickened, who were dead in trespass and sin. So what does he say? You were dead at once, but now you've come alive. You've, You've asked Christ into your heart, and you've become a new creation in Christ. You are a new person in him. And because of that, you have a new life. You can start over. You can do great things for Christ. And then you know not to be tempted and treated by the things of the world. We come into this personal relationship with childlike faith. Father, how simple and childlike that expression is. All of us growing up have have had parents. Most of us have had a father that was in our life somewhere along the way. And the father's responsibility was to help train up the children in the way they should go. God has given us his word to, to, to guide us through our life, to lead us. I know when Chelsea was born, I didn't get a manual on how to raise her. But what I did get was the word of God. And the word of God was going to show me how to raise her. Why? Because the word of God showed me how to be a man of God. How to be a person who chases after him. And so therefore I have the word and that word did not just happen overnight, but that word came through the cross. You see, everything that we do, everything that we read, everything that we have in our life goes back to the cross because had Jesus not gone to the cross for us, where would we be today? Through receiving Christ by faith, we become the children of God. John 1.12 tells us this. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So therefore, we know that we must believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. It bothers me a lot when I meet people who, how do I put it, without judging. You'll know them by their fruits. Okay? You'll know them by their fruits. I know them by how they'll speak. I know them by what, I, I, I have many times been challenged by the word. Not me challenging God by the word but people challenging me by what God has said. We had some ladies who came to our house last week. <laughs> it was quite an interesting conversation. And these ladies came to our house, inviting us to a Passover Seder. I thought it was nice at first. And I had to was giving Virginia her eye drops and she needed her next set, but this... Conversation in the hall kind of interrupted us. And so the lady said, well, you're only supposed to have communion once a year. I said, what? Uh She said, yeah, you're only supposed to have communion. If If you studied the history of the Bible, they only had communion once a year. I said, no, that's not true. She said, and so she goes on trying to plead her case to me. And I said, you might as well stop Because the Word of God says that we have communion as oft as we think of Him. I said, so I can have communion every single day as long as I'm doing it in remembrance of Him. Well, yeah, but man wrote the Bible. I said, but the Bible is the authoritative Word of God. I said, I'm not going to stand here and argue the Bible with you. And I guess Virginia must have heard my voice, but then she came to the door. She said, what's going on out here? I said, we're having a discussion. She said, yes, I can hear it from inside. And so she says to the ladies, what can we help you with? <laughs> and so she begins to tell Virginia, Virginia says, and, and this Seder and how we're only supposed to have communion once a year. And she said, well, I don't know where you get your false doctrine from, she said, but take it back there and share it with them. And she, she, and she takes me by the arm and pulls me inside and shuts the door. I'm like, I wasn't done yet. I wanted to get them saved. My wife had enough. (laughs) She said, there are some people you just can't speak to about these things. And I said, but I had an opportunity to lead them. She said, you weren't leading those ladies anywhere. I said, how do you know? She said, I could hear it in your voice. Your voice was not becoming a compassionate voice. You were, you were digging the heels in and you were going in for a fight. <laughs> I said, well, I don't want to be like that. I want to be an honorable person. I want to be able to express the word of God lovingly. She said, you weren't getting very lovingly there. She said, so I figured it's better to just end the situation, bring you inside. And she did. This new relationship makes us a part of the family of God, and all believers become our sisters and brothers. So it's not just this room here that are sisters and and brothers and sisters in Christ, but, but throughout the world, all those who believe on the name of the Lord Jesus, we become brothers and sisters in Christ together, unified together. Jesus isn't coming back just for Victory Fellowship Church, unless everybody else goes off course. And I would hope that would not be the case. You see, our Heavenly Father is rich and enabled to provide for our needs. No religious act can bring about this new relationship. Only faith in Christ. We know that for grace. For by grace ye are saved through faith. You know, so many times I think we just give up. We hear about coming to Christ so often we just kind of know that we're supposed to be saved we know that we're just supposed to love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart all of our soul all of our mind it's just a natural thing for us but the world doesn't know that and so therefore we must take the cross to the world and let them know that, that, that Christ has given his life for them But what I also see in here. When he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. What I see here is we can have absolute assurance about life after physical death. I know that into thy hands I commend my spirit. There are many lessons here. Just in that one small passage, Jesus was in full command in his last moments. He never lost. He never got delusional. He was in perfect relationship with his father. Why? Because he knew from the time of his birth, this was his destiny. How many in this room this morning can say, I know what my destiny is. Do you know what your destiny is? Your destiny is heaven. Yes, sir, yes. Moving forward, right? Absolutely. I'm worried this morning. You guys are way too quiet. <laughs> Pondering. Pondering the thoughts. He had perfect reliance upon his father for everything beyond earth, his death was totally voluntary. Despite what the world may say, oh no, he was blasphemous. He wasn't wasn't the son of God, he was a good teacher. But we know all of that is false. We know that he was born of a virgin and that he came to save the world, what, from their sin. He was completely submitted to the father's will. When I thought of, when I, when I, Jotted that little note, and I thought, how many of us are totally committed? How many of us are totally submitted, sold out, sold out to the Father's will? Well, I want to do what God wants me to do, but, but, but I want to try this over here. Or I want to try this over here. That's not what God intended for us to do. God, told us, God intended for us to worship him. To be sold out to him. I just read a good book the the other day. Dick gave it to me, actually. And it was called, Where Do We Go From Here? It's a great book. If you ever get a chance to get your hands on it, it's a very interesting read. And there's nothing new in that book you haven't heard before. But it's the way it's presented. It's It's a really good book. In death, he experienced perfect peace. He expressed his human spirit and the possibility of assurance as to his destination. He did not die as a martyr, but as a savior. And that was God's plan. It wasn't our plan. Although the world may think that they did something great, the world didn't do anything great. For for God had all things aligned. He has all things made perfect. He came to die, not just as a moral example. When I think of moral examples, I can't help but think about the things that I see on TV or the things that I hear when I'm out and about. Especially when people think that when you're in public, you're supposed to keep your Christianity quiet. You're not supposed to be so vocal about the cross See I, I I always sometimes I take it a, I don't think I take it too far but I said my Jesus was mangled beaten beyond recognition bleeding bruised and put on the cross because of what I did People don't like to hear that People don't like to hear about the blood. Christ being mutilated. Crown of thorns shoved on his head. And then nailed to a cross because of what they did. I didn't do anything. That's what people say. I didn't do anything. But the sin you're involved did did. He was the substitute for sinners and fulfilled his mission as called by the prophets in Scripture. You see, when we begin to read the Word of God, we begin to see about all the things leading up to the resurrection. I would say to you this morning that I think we're getting closer to the rapture than we can even imagine. I I don't, I don't know how else to put it. It's just things have evolved so much. And I think we can see the writing on the wall. You don't have to see the hand of God come down and write it for you. I think if you're reading the word of God, you know what's happening next. Wars and rumors of wars. What have they been talking about for the last couple of weeks? World War III. Church, I believe, we must do everything possible to be ready and to stay ready. We must do everything that we can to share the cross with the world because that time is coming to a close. The field is widened to harvest. It's ready for us to go and to to bring in the sheaves. Oh, pastor, that's just not really my thing. It is your thing. When you became a child of God, it became your thing. It became your command to go into the highways and the byways and compel them. The great commission became yours. You want to know what your will is for the Father? It's right there. When we come in faith to the one who died for us, we come like a child. It's so simple. But yet, somehow, we as children of God have tried to make it so hard, so complicated. I know that I've had conversations with Dick many times. We've, and we've looked at the scriptures. There are some portions of scripture that you read. It, it almost seems impossible to be saved. But it's so simple. He who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. How simple is that? How simple is it just to come to Jesus and say, forgive me. Of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my ruler. Be my savior. You don't have to even do it in front of a room full of people. But he wants you to give testimony to it. How many are giving testimony of their spiritual walk today? How many people do you share with that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe it's simply by your actions. But I like to proclaim it. I like to proclaim that He is risen. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's who I live for. I used to tell people I would do anything for my wife. And then when Chelsea came along, I'd do anything for Chelsea. But I will do more for Jesus than I will for them. Because he's number one on the list. Then comes Virginia. Then comes Chelsea. Then comes the church. And so forth. Right down the line. And that's the way scripture is set up. It's the way it's ordered. Jesus always has to be number one. And if he's always number one in your heart, then there should be ever, never a problem proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. Never. And what? We should do it with a smile. Even when those who are arguing with you try to convince you otherwise. Stand upon the living word of God and you won't go wrong. Next next week is Palm Sunday. And we're going to serve communion next week. I can't think of a better time to have communion than on Palm Sunday. Right before Jesus is... We recognize Jesus going to the cross. You know what we have assurance of? God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Our assurance is we're going to move from here to there. Where's your next home? Heaven. This is not really your home. This is just kind of a a, a kind of a stopping place. As the Catholics would call it, purgatory. We're on our way up, church. Yep. We're on our way up from here. But I don't know about you, but while I'm here, I want as many to know about my Savior and what he did on the cross for us than anything else. That's my goal. That's my purpose. And I tell you I don't love I don't I don't love you more than I love God. But I love you like God loves you. Because he died for you too. Amen. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for that word of assurance. Father, you are the one that we come to in the midst of our problems, the midst of our trials. But Lord, we come to you laying down our lives before you, recognizing that you, the Son of God, died on the cross for our sins, that we would have eternal life. Lord, I'm so thankful for the cross. I'm so thankful, Lord, that, that Lord Jesus, that you followed the will of the Father. And Lord, because of that, we all have a destined place to live. Where do we go from here? Heaven. A place that you've gone to prepare for us. And Lord, you did that all starting at the cross for us. And Lord, I pray today that each one of us, as we leave this place... May we set our focus on the world. May we set our focus to share with the world what Jesus did on the cross for us. May you be given the glory and the honor and the praise this day in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, amen.